Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now hasn't it been quite the week? Within a span of just a few days, we've gone from having a fairly hawkish testimony by Fed Chair Powell to worrying about bank failures in the U.S., So quite a lot to discuss on that front. Uh, But before we go there, uh, for context, I did uh, dig around a little bit on the U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation website to understand just how common or not such bank failures have been through history. Now, interestingly enough, since 2001, the U.S. has witnessed 563 bank failures. Now, of course, many of these were small, and when viewed by asset size, the failure of uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank meant they were the largest failure by asset size since 2008, though, of course, that was a very different regulatory and capitalization world altogether. So, in any case, with that tidbit of information against that context, today I'm joined by Fukien Yap, uh, who's Senior Investment Strategist in the CIO office, uh, who's going to help us discuss the implications of recent events. So welcome, Fukien. And uh, look, I mean, uh, just look at those recent events, the proverbial canaries in the coal mine. Uh, Do you see these as potential warning signs uh, that point to anything we should worry about? Um, Or, you know, do you read them any different? Can you help us uh, explain a little bit about how do you interpret recent events? Yeah, sure. Happy to, Manpreet. Um, So history shows that something always breaks uh, when the central banks raise interest rates sharply. Okay, and this time we have seen the steepest rate hiking cycle in Europe in history and the second steepest hiking cycle uh, in the US. Uh, so what has broken as a result, we see two US banks that failed over the past week and uh, liquidity problems at some other US lenders. Now the banks that fail, uh, Silicon Valley Bank and uh, Signature Bank, they represent two of the three biggest bank failures in US history. And uh, meanwhile, in Europe, uh, Credit Suisse stock and bond prices uh, fell sharply. Uh, So in response, we saw the U.S. and Swiss regulators and major U.S. banks uh, taking decisive steps uh, to inject liquidity and protect bank depositors, uh, which is a good response to limit contagion risk. But these events are early symptoms or warning signs, we believe, uh, that the interest rate hikes are starting to bite especially uh, in the weakest parts of the economy. And the most vulnerable businesses are being hurt. So we believe we are in the late stage of the economic cycle, uh, which implies we are near, if not at, uh, the peak of interest rates. So we believe these uh, financial stresses are also signaling uh, that financial conditions have tightened significantly to cause a recession. And this recession uh, would likely come sooner than markets are pricing in. Um, thanks, Fukien. Uh, given that, that what you just described, I mean, what do you see as the impact on monetary policy and, and what are the implications for financial market investors? Yeah, so inflation remains uh, elevated both in the US and Europe uh, and the job markets there also remain tight. So in Europe, uh, the ECB president Lagarde's comments uh, this week uh, suggest that central banks are starting to worry about financial stability uh, in their fight against uh, inflation. Uh, given this, uh, the window for further central bank rate hikes uh, have significantly narrowed uh, in our view. So we now see only a 60% probability of a 25 basis points uh, Fed rate hike on the 22nd of March and a 25% chance that the Fed pauses and uh, does nothing. 
So this compares with market expectations of a 50 basis points Fed rate hike uh, just last week before the US bank failures. And uh, the ECB, which arguably uh, faces a more challenging inflation backdrop, is likely done with its rate hikes now uh, after it went through with the planned 50, bips, uh, 50 basis points uh, rate hike this week. So the uh, evolving macro backdrop, it reconfirms our safe uh, investment strategy that we have highlighted since late last year. So market performance over the past week, we also confirm our preference for high-grade bonds, uh, the developed market or DM government bonds, and then your DM investment grade and Asia US dollar corporate bonds. They have all been resilient and gaining over the past week. Uh, so we would look to increase maturity in our uh, high-grade bond allocations if there is any bounce back in bond yields. And within equities, uh, we continue to rebalance from the developed market equity markets to what we think is the more attractively valued Ajax, Japan, and particularly uh, China equity markets. As we see the Asian growth remaining resilient uh, in contrast with uh, looming recessions in the US and Europe. And uh, among uh, equity sectors, uh, the technology sector, where your future growth prospects uh, drive much of its value, it is a proxy for those uh, who are seeking to lengthen duration as interest rates pull back. And uh, in the FX world, uh, we would sell into any US dollar rally. So the Japanese yen's outperformance this week uh, amid troubles in the US and Europe, it reinforces its defensive qualities and we see scope for further gains in the Japanese yen. Uh, if the dollar index or DXY, it fails to decisively break above a key resistance at 104.7. And lastly, also on gold, uh, which has delivered in recent weeks as a volatility hedge, we see gold also likely to benefit, especially if the US dollar weakens. All right. Um, I think there's a lot of good ideas there, but let's dig a little bit deeper into the US and European financial sector. Um, I know we've had European banks as a preferred sector, uh, but just given the sort of the recent context, I mean, how would you assess the outlook for these sectors from an investor point of view? Yeah, so let me start with the US. Uh, in the US, we believe the measures from the Fed are likely to limit fallout uh, to the wider financial sector. Uh, but within, uh, within the banking sector, uh, the regional and smaller banks have so far faced lighter regulation than the large banks, and this is likely to change. So regulatory costs are likely to rise uh, for the regional and smaller banks. And a competition for deposits could also reduce a net interest income, or NII. So we believe the large U.S. banks, they are likely to gain market share from smaller banks and benefit on a relative basis. And meanwhile, in Europe, uh, the sharp drop in Credit Suisse stock and bond prices is dragged down European banks and the broader equities lower. Uh, we actually have an overweight view on European financials, as you say, and this is a good opportunity to review the reasons uh, behind our overweight view and uh, what has changed. So I'll talk about uh, four reasons. So firstly, uh, we thought that rising interest rates would support a net interest income growth, and the market now expects rates to rise to 3.1% uh, by the end of the year, which is down from 3.8% expected just three weeks ago. So rising rates, we think, will still support a net interest income growth, uh, but to a lesser extent, and competition for deposits could erode your interest income. A second rationale for the overweight uh, was uh, cheap valuations, and what's happened now is that the 12-month forward PE has corrected to 8.1 times, which is at the low end of history and a 35% discount to the broader market. We believe the valuation remains attractive. 
and uh, yeah, it continues to be something uh, that's attractive. And the third, uh, we believe that the strong balance sheets at the banks, it can withstand a recession. And this is a major factor that's being tested now. Here, a crisis of confidence uh, could test the sufficiency of banks' uh, liquidity buffers and how regulators would respond. Also, as your funding costs go higher for the banks and if uh, business drops, uh, the losses could pile up and make capital raisings necessary. Uh, so the strength of the bank's balance sheet is being tested now. And fourthly, a better macro environment in Europe has helped the financials. You've got a mild winter that averted an energy crisis and a China reopening is supporting exports. But this macro backdrop could be at risk, of course, from the financial sector instability. Uh, overall, we believe these factors warrant caution for now as uh, fundamental conditions remain fluid and market prices can overshoot uh, during volatile periods as well. Uh, the elevated volatility and cheap valuations uh, do, however, create opportunities in uh, structured strategies. And just to add, uh, from a bondholder perspective, uh, we see limited impact on the broader market in the U.S. corporate bond market. The regional bond, uh, regional bank bonds are uh, only a small fraction of the total market at around 2%. Uh, this means the rise in your regional bank bond uh, credit spreads has only a marginal impact on the overall market. In Europe, uh, we believe the reaction of the subordinated uh, bank debt market has also been largely in line with uh, expectations. So credit spreads have widened across the board, uh, but more so for the most junior bonds, like your additional tier one perpetuals, and uh, less so for the global high yield bonds. So we continue to like a diversified exposure to the subordinated uh, bank debt asset class, but we would wait for a better entry point at this point. Thanks, Wukin. Um, I think uh, picking up where you left on bonds, I actually want to shift gears a little bit briefly to Asia dollar bonds. Um, I'd imagine the, the topic, of course, here is more the policy outcome of, from uh, the National People's Congress in China. But uh, do you see any spillover from some of the banking sector stress we just discussed from the US and Europe? Yeah, so the Chinese issuers, uh, they are very important. They comprise about 40% of the Asia US dollar bonds. And uh, we believe it remains supported uh, by the policies uh, from the ongoing National People's uh, Congress. Uh, so first, we see the GDP growth target of 5% as a conservative. And then a second, there are several reforms there uh, to improve efficiency in China, uh, which should uh, support the growth framework over there. So areas of focus include uh, managing the housing market risk and then your local government, financial health, as well as uh, corporate governance. As to the stress in the US and European financial sectors, we believe uh, any impact is likely to be minimal. Uh, the bond yield premiums in Asian financial bonds have widened uh, somewhat, but direct impact should be minimal as the Asian companies have a regional business bias. We also think that the risk of Asian financials uh, facing a similar problem in the future is low. Uh, their asset base remains well diversified with a tilt towards your traditional business segments. And most Asian banks are also fully or partly owned by their respective governments due to their strategic importance. And this improves the credit resilience in our view. Thanks very much, Fukin, uh, for that very detailed discussion. Um, so if I can just sort of sum up our conversation today, uh, in terms of investment actions, what I really took away was first, just the re-emphasis on our safe theme uh, and high-quality bonds and income in particular. That's one theme that's coming out quite strongly given the events of the last uh, week or so. 
Second, of course, uh, a little bit of caution when it comes to the financial sector, um, particularly in Europe, where, where you'd favor structured strategies uh, a little bit over simple longs at this point in time. And third, of course, as we just discussed, uh, seeing the course with Asia dollar bonds, where the fallout from uh, what's going on in US and European financials is likely to be limited. So uh, we'll end the podcast there. Uh, thank you again, Fukien, uh, for taking the time to speak with us today. And thank you, listeners, of course, for joining us. Uh, we hope you found that useful. Uh, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again uh, next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.